good morning. It's good to see everybody. Welcome to Seacoast Church. Uh, we are excited to have you, especially if you are maybe here for the first time today. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt, and I am uh, one of the pastors here on staff at Seacoast, and we're just glad to have you. I want to welcome all of you that are joining us at one of our campuses. We have uh, campuses all across the state of South Carolina, as well as one in Asheville, North Carolina. We are excited to have you guys with us. And if you're watching online, uh, we are glad to have you as well. Uh, listen, I don't know if you've experienced our internet campus before, but uh, this is the holiday season, and some of you may be traveling or you know, have sickness, God forbid, in your home. As any reason that you can't make it to a Seacoast campus, I'd encourage you to check out the internet campus. It's a great experience and a great way to stay connected to the church. So maybe you're joining us uh, on the internet campus, maybe from Charlotte, uh, and you're waking up this morning wondering, did that really happen or was it a dream? Is Clemson really the ACC champions, 13-0, and 0, number one team in the nation. That happened. And so we're glad you're here. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, I, I, listen, here's what's funny about that. I promised myself last night, I'm not going to say anything about Clemson because I know we have a lot of Carolina fans and it can be annoying and all that stuff. And so I last night didn't say a word about Clemson. And a Gamecock fan came up to me afterwards and he was like, man, I can't win. I told my wife, today that it, when I heard you were speaking, that if you didn't say anything about Clemson, that I'd buy you dinner anywhere you want to go. And uh, you didn't say a word about it. So I'll be having dinner at Husk uh, sometime uh, soon, downtown, you know, just modest, but uh, no. Excited to have you guys with us. Let me ask you guys a question as we get started. Do, do any of you still have somebody in your life that you're still trying to figure out what to get them for Christmas? Just raise your hand if you're still trying to figure out the right gift. Some of, yes, a handful of us still got... Some people got 20 days left to shop, so I want to help you with that, especially the men. I'm not all that great at buying gifts, and some years I've done better than others, but I've learned some things over the years, so I want to give you some tips, uh, especially the men, if you're trying to buy for, for a woman in your life, uh, maybe your wife, uh, just some ideas. Number one, when buying for your wife, always keep the receipt. It's not that she is picky, it's that you don't have very good taste, and so keep that receipt. Number two, uh, wrapping a small gift in a series of progressively larger boxes, ending with the one that a vacuum cleaner is in, that's not going to win for you. Someone in Somerville needed to hear that this weekend. Uh, not going to win. And in fact, anything that plugs in, women tend to think of those things as utilitarian. So just stay away from things that plug in. Try not to buy clothing that comes in sizes, Okay. There's a good chance you're going to get it wrong there, and uh, you will pay a hefty price for that. And uh, here's an important one. Don't buy anything. Can you say anything with me? Anything. Don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement, okay? <laughs> That's not Christmas. Save that for January. And then don't buy jewelry. Women are like, what's going on? Don't buy it. The, the jewelry that she wants, you can't afford. The jewelry that you're going to end up affording, she doesn't want that. And so just, you know, you may be wondering, what's left to get her? Nothing. Nothing. She's going to go out the day after Christmas and get what you should have gotten her. And so uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got some support. This message has been very practical for one family, and uh, that's what we're about. Hey, uh, would you agree buying gifts can be hard? You know, you got you to gotta know somebody well, and you have to pay attention to maybe some cues that they might give throughout the year. Uh, the element of surprise is helpful. Uh, gift giving can be difficult, and uh, we're in a series right now that we're calling The King is Coming. And this is Seacoast's version of an Advent series. And, you know, when you think about a king, 
arriving, a, a person of great importance. You think it's someone that you would want to bring a gift for. But the good news about the king that we're celebrating, you know, the birth of Jesus, is that when the king came, he didn't come expecting gifts. Now, some people brought gifts, and that was okay. And some of you may bake a, a, a birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas, and, and he will, I'm sure, appreciate that. But he doesn't need anything from us. In fact, Jesus turned the whole thing around. And instead of coming expecting anything, he came bringing gifts for us. And so during this series, we're going to be looking at four gifts that Jesus brought, especially for you and me, that we would be able to open them and receive them during this Christmas season. And, and last weekend, Pastor Ernest Smith talked about the gift of, of hope and a great message on how we, we need to receive that hope. And this weekend, we're going we're gonna to talk about the gift of love. See, one of the things that Jesus came bringing was love. What, what comes to mind for you when you think about the word love? It's kind of a tricky word, isn't it? I mean, love, it's defined on a lot of different levels and different generations even have, have defined love differently. I think about my, my grandparents' generation, you know, love in those days, it was, it was steadfast, it was consistent, but sometimes it was stoic, you know, it was void of a lot of emotion, but, but it was just, it was faithful. You know, the, the boomer generation, you know, sometimes th I view them and they define love maybe as a provision. You know, we're going to work hard. We're going to provide a better future for our family than, than the one that we had. And they didn't always know how to express it or say it, but they, 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 they express love by providing. I know that Gen X, my generation, we spell love T-I-M-E, right? I mean, we just want to spend time together and, and, and that's how we express love. But love just, it's, it's this word that carries a lot of different Meaning. I mean, think about it. It's the only word that I can think of in the English language that can be used to describe your feelings for your mom, for your girlfriend, and for your hot dog. You know, one word describes all those things, right? It's just this, this, this crazy weird word. The, the American uh, Dictionary, it's actually the, um, the American Heritage Dictionary defines human love as an intense affection for another person based on familial or personal ties. That's how, how the, the dictionary defines love. It's, it's this feeling of affection based on something, either the fact that you're related to me or the fact that you make me feel a certain way or you add a certain value to my life, that, that love is defined as that emotion that's based on a feeling. The problem is that those feelings often change or fade over time. And, and when, we, when we think about love in those terms, we're not fully understanding the love that God has for us during this Christmas season. So let's look at it. Let's, let's look at what kind of love God brings for us. And I think the best verse to describe it to us is in 1 John 4, 9 through 11. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, the fact that God sent his son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, the kind of love that Jesus came to bring us is unlike any other love that we've ever known. And, and, and so let's talk about it. God's gift of love. I want to illustrate it a couple of different ways. Uh, a couple of thoughts, and you can follow along on your outline sheet. God's love, first thing that I thought about was illustrated, I think, best by this. This is a globe. 
And uh, this is, uh, I think it's a Christmas ornament actually, but it's, it's the world. And, and the first thought about God's gift of love to us is that it's inclusive. It's inclusive. In other words, God's gift of love was for everybody on this globe. It wasn't just meant for the people of Israel, although that may have been what they expected, that, that God was coming to bring love to them. But God, God's love was far greater than that. He brought a love that was intended for everyone, every tongue, every tribe, every nation would be able to experience this gift of love. It's an inclusive gift. You know, even in its purest form, our human love is exclusive. You know, you, you may disagree with that, but, but, but we just don't have the resources to be able to love everybody. I mean, think about your Christmas list, right? I know one thing that's in common with every Christmas list and that it's got a cutoff right? There, there's a, a certain place as you're going down these names where you go, all right, I love them, but, but we can't get them a gift. And my family, it's like in the middle of the family because there's so many people in our family. We can't just, we don't have resources to, to give everybody a gift. But God's gift, there is no cutoff in his Christmas list. His gift of love, it's, it's inclusive to everybody. The next verse is probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And why don't we read it together uh, as we go. This includes you guys at the Dream Center. I want you guys to read this out loud. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Two key words there, world. God loved the world. That's everybody. That whoever believes, whoever believes. You know, this would have been a pretty shocking message for the people of Israel. They knew that a Savior was coming, and they knew that He was going to bring love and redemption for, for them, but He broadened it to everybody. When Jesus came, you know, the, the angels came, and do you guys remember the group of people that the angels showed up to out in the field? The shepherds, right? Well, what's interesting about that is that ceremonially, just by what they do, the shepherds would have been unclean. They wouldn't have been allowed to be in the temple or to worship because of the nature of what they did and their handling of animals. And, and so you would think that when, when Jesus made his arrival on the scene, that, that God would let first the, the church, the priests, the rabbis know, and then the, the word would eventually trickle out. But even by the way the angels came and, and first to the shepherds gives us a picture of the inclusivity of God's love. He loves all of us. So if you're here today and you've ever wondered whether God's gift of love is available to you, you can lay that to rest today. If you are a whoever, then God's love, God's gift of love has your name on it. As we reflect on that, who, who is, is there anybody in your life that needs to be included this year? Maybe included in your plans for Christmas or included that we would display God's inclusive love. Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs to know that they're on God's Christmas list, that his love is available to them. You know, at Seacoast, we are an inclusive church. What does that mean? That means that we don't check anybody's issues at the door. We all have issues. You can turn to your neighbor and tell them they got issues. That's just the church that you're in right now. You know, ain't nobody perfect. And God's love is for all of us. And we're gonna do Christmas Eve services uh, this year at all of our campuses. And our, our founding pastor, Greg Surratt, is gonna bring a very clear and simple message about God's love and arrival on the scene. And, and there are some people that you know and that I know, friends and family, maybe there are people we work with, 
that maybe we should include them in our plans this Christmas to attend a service. And your worship guides at all of our campuses, we got these, uh, th- these invitations. You might have thought it was a coaster. It's not a coaster. It's an invitation. Uh, but I encourage you to, to take this with you and just to be praying, God, who do I need to include this year? Who do I need to think about and bring, bring in, in, into, into the deal? And so you can use them as a coaster. You can also use them as a, a Frisbee. Oh, that didn't work very well. I was trying to hit my son, Miles, see if I can get it for you. But God's love is inclusive. But a second thing I think we can learn about God's gift of love, and I'm going to illustrate it this way with a puppy. Some of you are like, what are you, what are you talking about? How are you going to talk about God's love and a puppy? If I were talking about Satan, I would have gra- grabbed a cat. But I'm talking about God. <laughs> and so... Hey, how many of you guys own a, a, a dog? Any dog owners in the house? Yeah, this is a dog-owning church. A lot of you guys. Here's the deal. Think about, think about a, a puppy or a dog. If you leave the house in the morning and you tell your furry friend, hey, I'm going to be back for lunch to let you out and feed you, and, and then I'll be back after work, and, and you, you leave and you go to work, but something comes up, and you're not able to make it home for lunch, and then even you're, you're leaving to come home and you get caught up at work a little bit later than you thought you were going to. And maybe you run into some traffic and all of a sudden it's an hour or two later than you normally get home. And, and if this was your, your spouse that you had left at home, uh, you'd have a, a tough conversation when you got there. But if it's your puppy, what happens? You get home and the tail is wagging and they're happy to see you and excited. That's, 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 that's the nature of a puppy. Now, don't get me wrong. God's love is so much different and broader than that. But but it's the best example I can come up with of this word, unconditional. Unconditional love. God's gift of love for us is, is unconditional. There is no based on in God's definition of love. Unconditional love. You know, it's kind of become a Christian cliche these days. You know, most of you aren't hearing that for the very first time, that God's love is unconditional but there's nothing cliche about that. It's, it's, ama- it's unfathomable to us to know that our God loves us unconditionally. We have a hard time understanding what that means. We understand passionate love. We understand young love and first loves and falling in love. But it's hard to get our heads around this unconditional love, this love that has no limits, that's not based on anything that's never going to fade away. See, God's love didn't start with us, didn't start with our behavior, us getting it right, doing something right, and it can't be taken away by us. Look at Romans 5 and verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, before we cleaned up our act, before we got things right, That's when God's love for us began. God's love for us doesn't start with us, but it also can't be broken by us. Look at what Paul said in Romans 8, verse 35. He he asked some pretty soul-searching questions. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? You know, these are important questions that he's, he's, he's challenged by. What's going on? Look how he answers them in verse 38 and 39. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, 
Neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You think he's trying to make a point? There's nothing, nothing that you can do, nothing that can happen to you that can separate you. God's love is unconditional. It's an amazing love. It's an extravagant love. And and it's so hard to get our heads wrapped around it, yet we were each born, created with a need to be loved like this, with a need to be cared for like this. That's why when we are let down by by people who are supposed to love us, it, it hurts so deeply because we were created to experience this kind of love. I was thinking about unconditional love. Thought about my, uh, my son, Miles. Uh, he's in here right now. He's eight years old. And this year, Miles played soccer, and, and for the first time, he made an all-star team. Uh, and so we were excited about that. And, you know, I told Miles, you know, he's, we, we talk a lot about the, the Surratt nature. We may not always be the tallest or the biggest or the strongest, but we're always going to work hard. We're going to hustle. And, and he made an all-star team. It was exciting. And he played and uh, his coach is with us too. But, but what was cool is during the all-star weekend or one of the games, Miles actually scored a goal in the all-star game. And man, he was so excited. And he's, you know, kind of celebrating running back. And, and I could see him scanning the crowd, the sideline. And, and I found his eyes and, and he looked at me and I said, buddy, great job, man. That's awesome. And so excited. And, and here's my point. I want you to think about your proudest moment, a moment where you knew you had the approval of your friends and your family and your loved ones. Did you know that on your worst day, God's love for you is so much greater than even the love a father could give to his child on, on his best day. God's love is unconditional. It's not based on you scoring a goal or getting it right or reading your Bible every day. Or it's, it's unconditional. It's inclusive. It's unconditional. But there's a third thought on your outline sheets about God's love, and that is this, that for many of us, God's gift of love is going to remain unopened during this Christmas season. For many of us, we're going to go through this season and we're not going to open it. We're not going to experience that love on the level that God wants us to. Maybe for some of us, we've, we've known that love, we've experienced Christ, we've accepted him, but we're going to kind of go through the motions. Maybe we've even become a bit jaded about the Christmas season and we're going to go to the parties and we're going to buy the gifts and we're going to set up the trees and put the lights up, but we're going to go through this season not fully experiencing this gift of love that God has for us. Others of us, we've gone our entire lives believing the lie that we're not worthy of this gift, that this gift doesn't have our name on it. We're going to go through this season. There's a danger that we would not fully experience, even though it's inclusive, even though it's unconditional, that we're not going to fully experience that gift. What I want to do with our time that we have left is I want us to talk about what would it take for us to to prepare our hearts, to make sure that that as we walk through these next few weeks, we fully experience God's love. I was thinking about that. We we did this outreach at the Dream Center that we talked about. We fed 5,000 people. Uh, The church was generous, and it was an incredible deal. Uh, But we had a, a visitor that came to help us prepare for this outreach that was one of the presidential candidates, one of the 500 presidential candidates that are still running. And um, 
And as he came and he, he, he participated with us, I, I noticed something. I noticed there's a lot of preparation that comes into the visit of even a presidential candidate. Uh, we, uh, several weeks before uh, he came, we began to get some phone calls and indicators that he was going to come. And had to, his team wanted to find out what time and where and how to work it out in his schedule. And then on the Monday before they got there, some of his staff team came to the church and they walked through the church and they walked around the perimeter of the church and they were just kind of want to make sure they, they fully understood where he was going to be and what was going on. And the day before, our, our staff, a couple of us had to kind of get a room ready to prepare to make sure he had his family was going to be with him and, and all, all, you know, just some snacks and whatnot. And then the morning of the visit, there were five or six cars that came and an entourage and people started showing up at various points during the morning and security was flanking the, the outskirts of the area. And this is all f so that, that a guy can come and help us fry a couple of turkeys for about 20 minutes. All this preparation that went into it. And I thought, man, it sure takes a lot of work to prepare for, for someone who's even running for president to, to show up anywhere. And then I, I read a Washington Post article, when it's the president of the United States, it's a whole nother level. I mean, there is a ton of preparation. There was an article that came out talking about a visit that President Obama made to Africa this year. And it says that uh, the trip entailed hundreds of secret service that had to kind of go and prepare places for them to go in the different countries that they were going to be in. They had a Navy aircraft carrier that was stationed offshore, fully staffed with a medical trauma center just in case something were to happen on this visit. They had military cargo planes that brought in 56 support vehicles, including 14 limousines, three trucks that all the trucks carried was bulletproof glass that would be placed around the windows of any hotel room that the presidential family stayed in. Then they had uh, military jets that 24 hours a day were flying surveillance over top of the president, wherever they happened to be. You talk about preparation. You know, when an important person travels, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of pre preparation. When a president's going to show up, people have to prepare for it. Well, in a lot of ways, the birth of Jesus, our king, couldn't be more different than that in the sense that he came in humble beginnings and, and there wasn't a lot of fanfare. But the Bible speaks to a great level of preparation that we need to do on our part if we're going to fully embrace and receive this king. If we're going to receive his love, there's some preparation that we need to do. And the, 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 the passage that I want to go through is Isaiah 40. And this was several hundred years before Jesus came. And Isaiah was a prophet. And he was talking about the fact that a Savior is coming in the future. And in order to do that, he, he, he gives us a, a warning. He says, you need to prepare the way. You need to be ready for that. So let's look at it together. He said, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, this is the kind of verse that if you're reading through the Bible in a year, you may just kind of scan over. But, but when you study the scriptures and you realize that he was actually prophesying, there's some very practical things in here that I think can help us be ready to receive the love of a king. Three things that he points out that I think we need to be willing to address. We need to be willing to search in our souls and see if, if there are issues here that we need to bring up so that we can fully receive God's love. The first one is, is valleys. We need to address the valleys in our lives. Notice what it says. It says, every valley 
shall be raised up. Every valley shall be raised up. What are the valleys in our lives? I think for a lot of us, the valleys are unexpected loss. Unexpected loss. These low places in our lives that especially during the Christmas season, they just, you know, they, they can be increasingly difficult to, to face. Some of us, it's a loss of a, a job, you know, and you're going into this season and there's gifts that need to be bought and there's preparations that need to be made, but you know deep down that this is not going to be the same as years past. And there's just this valley, this loss. For others of us, there's a moment coming and we're already thinking about the Christmas table. And there's a chair that's going to be empty this year because of a, a valley, because of a loss that we faced. There's a person that has been close to us, and it's just going to be different this year. It's going to be hard. And man, I, I've been to two funerals this week. Last night, even as we were having service, got a phone call that another person here in the church is dealing with the loss of a, a son unexpectedly yesterday. And there's just these valleys of, of loss. And the Bible says the valleys shall be raised up. You know, it could be for some of us, even the, the loss of innocence or, you know, the, something that we've done and, and, and it's, there's this shame, there's this guilt and it's a valley and man, it's everything in us wants to cover it up, just kind of gloss over it. You know, we'll, we'll cover it up, we'll overeat, we'll overspend, we'll over drink or overextend ourselves and just try to coast through the Christmas season, ignoring or, or doing our best to numb out these valleys. But Isaiah says every valley should be raised up. What would it look like for you to just address the valleys in your life? See, I believe that the love that God brought for us, the love that God intended for us is best experienced in those valleys. It's, it's, it's a love that's, that, that is, is designed for us to experience a grace that would carry us through those valleys, but, but we can't hide from them. We've got to be willing to, to raise them up. What if you just named your valley during this Christmas season? What's that loss that's bringing sadness to you? Pray that even during our time of worship together, that the Holy Spirit would just raise that valley. That you'd be able to walk out of these doors having you know, been lifted up out of that place this weekend. A second thing that we have to address if we're going to fully experience the coming king is the mountains, the mountains. Look at verse four continued. He said, every mountain and hill shall be made low. These high places in our lives need to be brought low. Now, a mountain could represent a number of things. It could be something good going on in your life, you know, uh, that, that would potentially bring about pride. And obviously, we, we celebrate the good things that are going on, but maybe there's some good things in your life that have kind of become more about you than they are about God. Could be a mountain. But, but let's define a mountain as unexpected pressure. Unexpected pressure. Are, are you experiencing some pressure during this Christmas season? It just seems like this season, this, this pressure just rises in our lives. And maybe for some of us, you Maybe you own a business and the end of the year is coming and there's just this pressure that we got we to gotta get it done. We got to hit our numbers. We got to make it work, you know, before the year goes out. Others of us, I know as parents, we feel this pressure that we want to provide our kids with the best Christmas possible and the pressure to get them the perfect gift and to make it 
just, just everything to be perfect. We want them to experience the magic of Christmas. And, and maybe we're tempted to compare their Christmas with their neighbors or our, our brother-in-law, our sister-in-law. We know they're getting them something and there's just this pressure that, man, I want it to be perfect. Pressure this Christmas. What would it look like for us to bring those mountains low? To prepare our hearts to receive the King by dealing with the pressure. For some, it may be the pressure. Those in-laws are coming, and they're going to be there for several weeks. There's just pressure to have the house ready. And all that. Don't be elbowing, all right? Just look ahead. We got it. We, we know we're on the same page. These mountains, they can be characterized by pressure, maybe pride. But if you want to experience the love of the king this season, we have to be willing to, to bring those mountains low. How do you do that? I think when it comes to the pressure, sometimes it's just admitting it. Admitting the pressure that you're feeling, surrendering it to God, maybe in your journal or bringing it to the cross and going, God, this is just something I'm, I'm carrying this pressure and it's a burden for me right now. I want to just lay it before you. And I love that we're in a church that's transparent and you know, nobody has to act like we've got it all together. Sometimes just admitting that you don't have it all together. You suddenly begin to feel the pressure release a little bit. My prayer is for some of us, God's going to do something supernatural by bringing the, the mountains low. But a third thing that we have to address are the edges, the edges, the unexpected emotions. Verse 4 concludes, it says, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. You know, and there's very practical, like when, when Isaiah wrote this, there were a couple different meanings to it. One is the, the nation of Israel was literally going back from captivity back to Israel. And so he's saying, literally, you got you to put a highway in the wilderness. You know, we're going to have to forge out a road in the valleys and in the mountains and the edges, man, if there's rocks that are misplaced, a, a chariot could hit it in the wrong way. It could cause a lot of danger if we don't deal with these, these edges, these rocks, these rough places in our lives. Now, I wonder if the edges don't represent unexpected emotions, unexpected emotions. What emotion does this season bring out of you that's unexpected? Maybe it's anger for some of us. Man, we're just on edge and quick to snap. And some maybe even be dealing with bitterness or you know, sometimes it's envy or fear, worry. What are the, those emotions that are just lying just below the surface? And this season tends to, to bring them out of us. What's your edge? Your family probably knows it already. They may even be walking around on tiptoes, trying not to provoke you or say the wrong thing because they know that at any moment you could snap and that, that emotion could snap. Is that edge keeping you from experiencing the love of Christ during this Christmas season? You know, when a, a child really fully knows the love that a father has for him, he's willing to be open, willing to be vulnerable, with our valleys, with our mountains, and with our edges. And, and when we do that, we open up ourselves to experience the extravagant gift of love that Jesus has for us during this Christmas season. If we're not careful, this season may end up being characterized by these valleys, by these mountains, edges, these emotions. My prayer for us as a church is that we would, we would open that gift this Christmas season. We would fully receive the gift of love that God has for us. As we close, um, I've got a two-year-old daughter. Uh, her name's Ellie, and she's just 
amazing. Uh, she's so much fun to be around. And uh, there's Ellie. Yeah, that's, that's Ellie. And we have this game that we play with my two-year-old daughter. It's called I'm Gonna Get You. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have y'all ever played this game with your kids? It's so cool because at any point during the day, she can be doing anything. And I can say these words, I'm gonna get you. And she just lights up and she starts running. And, you know, so she'll run and she'll hide behind the couch. And I'm kind of running, quote unquote, running behind her. I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you. And so she'll run around in the kitchen and run around the island. And, you know, she's just hiding from me. But eventually I'll either get her cornered or she'll just get tired of running. And so she'll stop and she'll look at me and then she'll just start running towards me and she'll lift her arms up like that. I actually took a picture while she was doing it and she'll just lift her arms up and, and kind of fall into my, my arms and I'll pick her up and I'll tickle her and I'll just hug on her and love on her and I'll get her with, with my love. And some of you, you probably have played that game with your kids and I love it because the reason that I do that is because I just want to, it's, it's my way of saying, hey, I want to hold you right now. I'm going to hug you right now and, 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 and she'll run from it, but eventually she'll come running into my arms. And I can't help but wonder if there are some of us that are here this weekend and, and God's love has been after you. God's chasing you with the kind of love that you've never experienced before and he's going to get you. And maybe today is your day just to go, you know what, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm tired of running from your love. I'm going to turn and I'm going to surrender. I'm going to open up my life to receive the gift of love that you have for me. Church, that gift has your name on it. Let's be a church. Let's not let it go unopened. Let's, let's open up that gift. Let's fully experience and receive the love that God has for us during this Christmas season. Would you guys pray with me as we close? Father, your love is just so amazing, God. And I, I thank you that even in our best attempts to describe it, uh, to experience it, God, to uh, just to define it, Lord, we come short. Lord, nothing that we can say, there's no words that we can express that, that fully describe the, the pursuit, and the love that you have for every single person that's here today. And God, I pray that uh, in a way that only you can do, that you would just allow each of us to experience your love. Lord, I thank you that you've been pursuing us. And Lord, we, wanna, we just want to receive it. As we continue to pray and heads continue to remain bowed, I, I just want to encourage you. There may be somebody that's here today and you just need to receive that love. You're going to stop running today and you're going to open up your heart and open up your arms and just surrender to that love. Maybe there's been a valley or a mountain or something that has kept you from experiencing that. And today you're going, you know what? I'm going to open that gift. I want to do it. If that's you today, I want to get, just give you an opportunity to respond to that. And what I want to do, I'm going to start on the right-hand side of the worship center. And if you want to say yes to God, if you want to say, I'm going to experience Christ's love today, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. I just want you to look up at me and, and just raise a hand up in the air. So I'm going to start over here on the far right-hand side. If you want to say yes to that love today, I just want you to, to raise your hand up in the air. Would you do that? Would you look at me? Raise your hand in the air. Awesome. Awesome. I see you. Praise God on the left side. Yeah, that's fantastic. Just saying, yeah, I'm going to open that gift. I'm going to allow that love to penetrate my heart. 
How about in the middle here section? If you just want to say yes to that gift, just raise your hand up. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. He wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants to just cover you in his love. Here on the left-hand side, if you want to receive that gift, would you just raise your hand up in the air? Yeah, praise God. Up in the balconies. Yeah, I see hands up in the balconies. Hands raised high. Come on. Yeah, we want to receive God's love. You know what? God's love is inclusive and it's unconditional. Our part to play, the Bible says, is simply to confess with our mouth, to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That when he died on a cross for our sins, that was all that it would take to cover us in his love. So as we continue to pray, if you raise your hand and you haven't done that before, I wanna give you an invitation just to do that. God, we confess today that, that you are God. Jesus, that you are Lord of our lives. And God, we thank you that we can't run far enough and hard enough to, to separate ourselves from your love. And so today we just receive that love. We thank you for the gift of, of you, of you dying on a cross and, and taking on all of our sin and all of our shame. Lord, we just receive that love today. God, we thank you, Lord, for the extravagant, lavish love that you offer each and every one of us. And I pray, Lord, that for everybody in this house and in all of our campuses, wherever we are, that we would experience that love. In Jesus' name, amen.